What's good with everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Who's Podcast, and we are two or one day away from NBA basketball by the time that you're watching this. I'm very happy to be breaking down Cleveland Cavaliers basketball. We are reaching the end of my series over the offseason where we've gone through all 30 teams and we've broken down the X's and O's of their roster construction and their direction as a franchise. I'm joined here by a passionate Cavs fan. He has all types of attire when it comes down to breaking film. He also has his own podcast across the Cavs. Zach, how are you feeling? Introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, man, appreciate you having me, Zach Weiss here. Folks, pleasure to be on uh, Across the Cavs. Officially turns four years old on October 22nd, making this year five. I didn't create the podcast, but I've been the host and the social media guy for it since day one. Been a lot of fun. I didn't grow up in Ohio. I've only been to the state once, and it was to watch a game last season, believe it or not. So to finally go was a great experience, and... Cavs Twitter, really special place, definitely opened my eyes to what Cavs fandom is compared to being the only guy in New Jersey that really roots for the Cavs, but being able to discuss, get into, and meet some really cool people that way is, has really been a dream these last couple of years. I gotta say, man, your story from New Jersey to Cleveland Cavaliers fan, like, I just love stories like that. For me personally, I'm from Detroit, but I follow the Golden State Warriors. That's what we're, like, really attracted me to like hardcore watching the sports so this is dope stuff man i'm i'm very excited for this pod because there's a lot of questions and like breakdowns that we're going to get to for the Cavs. but for those of you who are listening make sure to go tap in with zach his links and all that are in the description in the comments below again four years is no joke a lot of like grinding uh work that goes you know unseen by the public but i know exactly what that takes and i love that consistency i just started my podcast in the playoffs last year so much respect to you and hopefully if i keep plugging away i'll also be able to you know have this as consistent as a four-year time span so i'm excited um before we get into the episode if you're watching make sure to tap in with this podcast on um, apple Podcasts and spotify at gifted hoops and also on the youtube version where you can see our faces i'm wearing a nice you know cover up he is as well but you can't see that if you're not watching the video version so tap in for those small little details but let's officially get right to it man so i'll tell you this right for me the cleveland cavaliers obviously have been a team that i have looked at a lot and why is that well partially because obviously i'm, I'm a warriors fan and they went to like back to back to back to back finals cool but after LeBron left, I'm like, okay, what is this team's direction? Where are they going? How are things going to pan out? They drafted Garland. I'm like, okay, Garland maybe could be good, you know? And then he just took that leap. Like, wow, he he's really playmaking crazy. Because I remember when it was between Garland and Sexton in terms of, okay, who's going to be the more productive player? And Garland just took his game to a whole other level. But Sexton was averaging like 24 points the season he got traded. Like, I, I can't remember um, the inner workings of their dynamic as a backcourt. But I do just know that that Cavs team, even though they weren't winning, they were very competitive or trying to be that season. So trading for Donovan Mitchell, I'm like, wow. So they're now really going for it. Um, what were your thoughts when you guys traded what you traded, which was, by the way, Colin Sexton, marketing, and I'm pretty sure it was two or three unprotected first-round picks. What was your perspective on that? 
Yeah, so my first thought was, damn, we're really not going to get a Baji in a Cavs uniform because he looked really good over the summer. 14th pick, four year at Can four years at Kansas, National Player of the Year nominee. Fantastic baller, so I uh, definitely missed him. But I look at that trade, and I was pretty pumped. Most uh, More excited, honestly, for me personally, than the day LeBron decided to come back because that day left me with mixed feelings. They're building something special. Everything for the previous seven years for them was LeBron, 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 and for four years it was just a disaster. And he comes back and all is forgiven. It was cool. They won, and we played you guys four times, and it was a blast even with the losses, just getting there until the last season where it's like, you know what, just end it already. After game one, JR, LeBron, whatever. Shout out JR, they'll always love him. But this trade was massive, man. Donovan is just such a winner when it comes to regular season basketball. Something that the Cavs hadn't had without LeBron since the late 90s. Their last winning season, playoff appearance without him before, was 97-98. You had to go, what? It took another 25 years. He played 11 seasons with them. Those first six years he wasn't there, and the five years before he came, it was just injuries, not hitting, players not hitting, veterans getting hurt after they get here, not being in the shape they thought. You're bringing in a guy that was a proven winner in Utah, can never get past his second round, but just all he did was win. Number one seed, his final season with the Jazz, uh, brings that to Cleveland, and he comes in and, and plays incredibly. But you look at what they gave up. Colin had gotten hurt in that 21-22 season. Ricky Rubio was playing great. He got hurt. Allen and Mobley both missed time throughout that campaign, so while the Cavs still made the play-in, went 44-38, and 38, it could have been a lot better could have also been a lot worse uh, no one saw lowry turning into a superstar that's why there's doubters now oh we could have had colin and lowry and ochai and still have our picks i hate when people do that you can't you get you can't live on that i'm really happy for lowry marketing who really regressed in his last season in chicago had his moments with cleveland some people might have written him off say maybe the Cavs even overpaid him Comes back as an all-star. He's picked before Jokic in the drafts. Whether that was an accident in the all-star draft. I don't know if that was real or a mistake. Jokic was... Oh, no, he was picked last. Sorry. Jokic ran ahead because he didn't realize that Lowry wasn't picked. Collins going to be great again. He had average 24, but it's the injury to Collins that allowed Garland to really shine. Yes. And it showed that they might need somebody that plays differently than Sexton next to Garland. But it's tough that he was moved i thought his future was there i thought they're gonna share he was gonna share the number two in the rafters someday with Kyrie. who will probably get it retired when his nba career concludes no matter how many people keep getting to it we'll still be retired now ty jerome's the latest to wear two in cleveland it's always somebody but it's a good move man you know gifted it's uh you bring in top 10 15 player He's a top seven player by the numbers last year, all NBA second team, and I think he's still just hitting his stride. I think the best is still yet to come, Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland. Yeah, I got to say from my perspective, people have to remember, while Cleveland didn't officially make the playoffs, this is a team that when they were healthy before Donovan Mitchell with Laurie playing the three big lineup, they were very competitive. And it was only until Jared Allen missed all those games where you saw the L's you know pile up but they still made the play in and came very close to officially making the playoffs as well so for me i always said if jared allen stays healthy that team is going to the playoffs like i was that confident based on how the defense worked because i watched the games like how is this three big man lineup working well because 
Lori is a spacer and the size and length that they had was just swarming in the paint and I feel like he was that piece that really unlocked you guys to be able to play that type of style on top of you know Darius Garland continually making that leap as an NBA player becoming a much better passer and a much better uh, shot creator than his first you know two years in the NBA so for me Garland just taking that leap overnight and playing with a defensive oriented lineup things fit in so perfectly but then obviously you trade for Donovan Mitchell who I said once they make that trade they're a lot to make the playoffs I said a lot like I'm I'm 100% confident that they will do that I'm, and I figured that they would have home court advantage as well and I think that Donovan is so potent for this team primarily because Garland now has a backcourt mate who he can just like learn from who's a very good player you know as you said he never won it but for you to be the leading scorer on a team that you know was the number one seed in the Western Conference back you know to back years just playing at that high level even though, in my opinion, Gobert was the best player. Just saying. But anyway, like most, valuable, most valuable and best, I think, could be two different discussions. But fair, not. fair, fair. I just think that he showed his heart, his passion, and the way that he developed himself into a shooter. Remember, Donovan Mitchell came in as a guy that's just super fast. He's going to blow by you, but shooting was the weak part of his game. Now he's one of the best volume efficiency guys in the nba one of the best pull-up shooters in the game as well and i said coming in trading for donovan mitchell means you now have mitchell and garland as two of the league's most efficient pull-up shooters that can make offense out of nowhere so i love that fit and a lot of people i guess had their doubts about how good cleveland would be because it was something new that we hadn't seen before but i knew that your team was going to be very good this year I mean, the moves that they – we're, we're talking this past season, correct? Uh, the yeah, one, yes. Uh, yeah, last year, man, was was unbelievable. I got to see a couple games in person. Saw them take down the Nets. I saw the Donovan Mitchell poster dunk over Utah in person. And that was incredible. Got to see them against New Orleans. Finally got to see a home game. Long time coming for me. It was a, it's been a bucket list item for a long time. Just never had the time. Was supposed to sit courtside for my first Cavs game against the Nets right before COVID hit. Everything was booked. A family friend had reached out and they had the extra courtside seat for the season finale. And obviously a month before the world stopped. Thankfully, you know everyone in the NBA, other than Rudy Gobert, maybe not the best because oh. the mic touching, but finally happened it was the season as a whole was incredible covering them with through the podcast seeing things through the eyes of the broadcasters had all three on rafa hernandez brito came on we had john michael at austin carr we had the pa man sean pebbles and really love getting to know all four of them especially on the air getting their insights because they're covering it it's their words we hear when these games are happening in real time to hearing from them after i think really brings it into perspective but um, was better than we could have thought in the regular season 70 point game evan mobley took a massive leap offensively yes he regressed when push came to shove in the playoffs offensively we can talk about that and jared allen in the regular season when he was out there sure he wasn't the all-star self he was but how's he going to be the same exact player when you're adding donovan to this mix who plays a little differently than when they just had darius in the backcourt but loved the season Lost in the first round in five. It's just put them on blast around the league. Some people were saying, fire JB. Everyone's saying, oh, trade Donovan before he walks. 
but you don't overreact to one playoff appearance. This team was building up to that moment. It's Don's first year. He got in. Now they know what it takes. And whoever they see in the first round, because they are surely making it next year. There's no question that, that about that. Whoever they yeah, play, they're going to face a much harder team, much tougher squad, not only because of the new additions gifted, but because they have that experience now and they know how sour it is to taste defeat so early, only winning the one game in game two in Cleveland. Yeah, I remember watching that playoff series and coming into it, I said, this is tough for me because I think Cleveland has the higher end talent, but I think that the Knicks have just overall bigger depth. The key difference in that series to me was really the physicality and the rebounding. I mean, what Mitchell Robinson did in terms of securing so many offensive rebounds and just, you know, overpowering them, that coupled with the spacing with the bigs and not having like that third guy, which I said coming in, man, like this, this team is legitimately like, like a Paul George type away from like really being a championship contender just because their idea is our backcourt is going to be super dynamic, super quick, super, you know, ball handling-esque. And then our front court is going to make up for their deficiencies on defense. But that wing position needs to be a player that can somewhat be a hybrid of the guard skill set, but also defensively can guard up and match up well with the bigs. Like someone even not Paul George, right? Maybe like a Harrison Barnes type who can like space it out, understands exactly what they need to do on the floor. I feel like that type of player would have made such a dramatic impact. And I came into the season saying, dude, if Isaac Okoro can knock down this corner three and teams can respect his corner shooting, it bends the floor dramatically. Because the biggest issue obviously is Mobley is not quite there yet in terms of him becoming a three-point shooter. Jared Allen is a non-spacer completely yeah. so if that third guy is also ignored offensively it makes it way harder for you know mitchell and garland to find easier shots which makes your offense tougher so in the offseason you guys try to add shooters to help fix that sure but i still think that that third spot perfectly being you know good enough offensively but also defensively i'm still looking to see how that develops but this could also be the year where Mobley says, I am still skilled because, man, I'm sorry. I love Evan Mobley, man. He, like defensively, he's one of the best young defenders I've ever seen come into this league. And his offensive game is there. I saw moments and flashes all season long. The game versus the Pistons. I'm a Detroiter. I remember that game, right? Like that's what he is capable of. If he can extend his range out further... I think that helps it out, but I think that takes time, honestly. I think the big thing with Evan uh, gifted, it's just his confidence. We know he's capable. He talked about the Detroit game and some others. He went for 30 on several occasions. He had a 39-point game to his name. He's continuing to improve as a rebounder. I think he's understanding that he can be a playmaker as well. He can throw the lobs. He can find the open man. They can run through him in the high post. I think he's found that he can use his long strides. He's obviously not Giannis, but he can get into the lane with one or two steps from the three-point line when he sees the holes. He just has to step into it and be confident because in the playoffs, people said he was horrible, but you look at what he did to Julius Randle and the shooting numbers of his matchups, 
And those are defensive player of the year winner worthy numbers that he put up in the first round. The team around him just Jared Allen said it himself he became a meme. The lights were too bright. Donovan wasn't there every night. Darius wasn't there every night. They struggled to figure out a bench rotation. They had to slide Karras back into the starting lineup, or so they yeah. thought they did. Lesson to Coro's minutes, but now you bring in Niang and now you bring in Struess. You talk about a Harrison Barnes type. Struess doesn't have the same experience, but in a couple of years with the Heat, he's gone to a conference finals now and then an NBA finals. Played some great minutes in some of these contests, had some not so efficient minutes, but he's there. He comes from the best system in the league. And I think all 30 teams can agree that Heat culture is number one. And now look at some of these fines they had in the offseason. I don't expect them to go back to the finals, and I'd be disappointed if they did. Not us, or not Milwaukee, or not Boston. And shocked, truthfully, but they always just turn these guys that may not get those chances somewhere else into those guys. Because Struis was spent a year in Chicago. Like two games ends up on the heat at the end of his second season in miami he's challenging duncan robinson for minutes this past year he was starting every night of his game and i think he's perfect with his experience george niang has the most regular season wins of any player this decade so far yeah damian jones you bring back tristan thompson two guys that have been to the finals tristan four times with the Cavs. damian one with the warriors against the Cavs. I, Jerome just came from the Warriors, and he doesn't have the playoff experience yet, but that man just spent a year with the Splash Bros. He knows how to splash. He knows how to score. Love the moves, and haven't even touched on Imani Bates yet, who may need to wait to see in the league. You don't want to be too excited by preseason, but I know you've been seeing Gifted. The way he shoots, his efficiency, his Not energy, his vibes. Man, it's been so much fun watching him grow from Summer League and now. And you never know with the regular season, someone gets hurt. I'll be challenging Sam Merrill to be that replacement shooter. Whoever it is comes in, whether it's Dong, whether it's Darius, Struess, Niang, someone has to miss a game or two. It'll be between Amani and Merrill. No knock on Sam Merrill. His summer was incredible. He's already 28. Wouldn't call him as young. But Amani could get out there and really do things. And he's not even factoring into the to this season when we talk about what they can do. And if he does. They had that. They had that type of guy last year. And just let it fly, because as solid as Jetty was, his minutes were inconsistent. His role was inconsistent. Same with Lamar Stevens. They might have fixed all the holes, and at least for this year, I don't think. At least as of now, having even talked about Levert, who I think is going to be sixth man of the year, gonna be fine. I am so excited, man. You're getting me more pumped. We're only a few days away. Can't wait for Wednesday night. But I, I wish it was now. Like, I wish we could just. To bed right wake now up yes game i've been waiting for nba basketball pretty much all off season and like i've been so entrenched with just re-watching basketball re-seeing how these teams work again like cleveland is one of those teams last year where i'm pretty sure they were still like the number one net rating in terms of both sides of the ball consistently through the entire season and it's just the way that garland and donovan bended defenses are regular season I hope that for Garland, the one thing in his game that he could improve offensively is consistently punishing switches. I feel like he was a great complimentary guard to Donovan, but in the playoffs, you saw where, you know, Donovan, when he didn't have it going, Garland found ways to, you know, improve and really help raise the entire roster around them. But I think that I trust these two guards. It's just a matter of the construction around them 
with the spacing because nowadays versatility is the biggest x factor in the nba right i've gone through every championship from 2023 to like back to maybe 2016 right you have to have a four or five man that can switch that has a passing ability or that has some super premium skill defensively and evan mobley you know as we've said fits that mold to a t based on how versatile he is with his length his iq and his feel for the game the only thing is it's just going to take time and it's interesting because cleveland when you look at it is a team that might not have the time it takes to fully develop it because a lot of people always say oh trade this guy trade that guy because right now our nba moves so quickly literally kemba walker was in the league averaging 20 like three years ago he's not a league anymore he's gone right like that's how fast these things move and for the Cavs, after making the trade for donovan the biggest like cloud right now is if he's gonna sign the contract extension or not and some Cavs fans have told me that they feel as if they might need to trade him if he's not going to do it so that way there's no empty value but at the same time, you literally just traded for him. And you only got one season and there's not really any real continuity between this group yet. That's what year two is all about. Further establishing that continuity, further establishing those roles, understanding, okay, Mobley needs the ball on this elbow at this time here. Let me maximize him better this way. Last year, it was plug and play. Like, let's just play. Let's find out what we like, what we don't like. But now you have tape to look at, you know, you have the entire series to look at what you did right or wrong to improve with better spacing this year. I think the other important part of that is they have another summer, as you mentioned, together, practicing, working out. You saw Donovan Mitchell brought the whole team to a Louisville home game recently, which to me shows how tight everybody is. You bring back Tristan Thompson. He's been gone a few years. His career trajectory certainly went down a bit between his time in Boston, Sacramento, Indiana, Chicago, LA, the fact that he's played for five teams in these few seasons, but his stability in the locker room is very important. He was around LeBron for a while. He was here for the rebuild. He knows what it takes. And even if he played a tiny role, I guarantee he had a big locker room impact with the Lakers. You know, he's probably really only there because he was LeBron's guy. Having him come back is huge. You look at Damian Jones, who's been in some great locker rooms, spending last year with Mike Brown and the Kings, which might have been the most fun team in the regular season because it's just been so long. Absolutely. Since the Kings have been relevant. You bring in players, again, George Niang, sure, Philly might have been a little dysfunctional. We don't know the truth. We're starting to hear some things about guards and, and how they feel about Doc Rivers, but he was in winning cultures with Don in Utah, then in Philly, Max Struess from Miami, and you add all these pieces... And Donovan Mitchell has got some serious vets now that I don't think he's ever had. When he was playing for the Jazz, those teams could never get a deep bench. There was that time where they were trying to change the starting lineup up a bit, and I think Joe Ingles ended up becoming the sixth man for them in the bubble when they unfortunately lost in seven. But other than what? It was Niang playing a little bit for them off the bench, and then it was Jordan Clarkson can never find an effective backup for Gobert or a situation where they had a stretch. And Evan Mobley tight as the five, te te technically speaking, on a Utah team then might have been able to get them over the hump because they never knew how to adjust. Rudy would become ineffective because they would attack it every time. He deserves all his deep poise, I will say that.
He is as good a defender as some have said. But his mobility has always lacked, and it seems to get taken advantage of every single postseason. So he was missing that. Now he has that here. I think he loves playing with Darius. And sure, we're not the Knicks. The Cavs are not the Knicks. It's a fact. Knicks fans love saying, oh, just get him to New York. But nah, man, you're too busy getting all the Nova guys. Now, they're good. Josh Hart was a perfect addition. DiVincenzo, I think, was kind of slept on after he didn't stay with the Kings. He had been injured a bit. Comes to the Warriors. I loved watching him play throughout the season. And yeah, DiVincenzo. Brunson broke out there. That seems to be a high for Nova pro uh, products. But Donovan staying, I would not trade him for anything. There is no package I'd want. What are you realistically going to get? You're going to go, a team that wants to get over the hump is going to trade Donovan. We're not getting a superstar for Donovan Mitchell. If you hypothetically want to trade him to Miami, what would they even give? It would give pieces that aren't ready yet. Cavs, rest of the roster around him, Mobley's ready to take that jump. While he's still here, and I hope he is for a long time, Jared Allen is going to be a steady top Five to eight center in the league. Max Struess, I think he's going to break out and be one of the best shooters in the league as he's been the past couple of years. Except now, as a starter on a team like this, he'll be shooting seven or eight a game. Avert has played good ball when they've needed him to. I love the core. Darius is Darius. You're, you're not going to be able to find someone that can be this happy here, be this excited here, and produce the way he does by trading Donovan Mitchell to get it. If he walks, which I don't think he will, then so be it. You have two more years of this. That wouldn't even happen this year. It would happen at the end of the season after. But I see no reason to move him. He's young. He's still in his mid-20s. It's been one season. They won 53 games. That's not much of a drop-off from his time in Utah. I think if they lose in the first round again, we can revisit this. But as it stands now, Gifted, they won 50-plus. They were a home team in the first round, and they just added all these players that'll fit really nicely, whether they're playing or not. Between Perstruz and Niang, definite minutes. Jerome, Thompson, Jones, I think we'll see more Jerome minutes than the other two, but they're vets. They didn't have them last year. It wasn't the same. As soon as Kevin Love left, I think they lost something in that locker room. They're adding that back and then some. So I think wait and see for this season. Donovan's going to be insane. And Cavs fans are even more insane than that if they actually want to trade him. I would never, not after what they traded for him and not looking at what he can do. I can't. I can't possibly envision that being a real scenario. Yeah, I would say how I view it is when people say trade this player, trade this player, let's actually go through what it means to trade a player, right? You have to shop his name around. You have to deal with social media saying Cavs are open to trading Donovan Mitchell, right? Then the players see that stuff. And then, like, that gets into the locker room. Then you have media who ask the guys about it, right? And then on top of it, what is the return? Because I'm not, like, too attached to players as much. I understand their value for sure. But in terms of operating your business at the highest level and putting out a competitive roster you have to ask yourself is it worth it if you're trading donovan mitchell and you're getting back salary filler is that really worth doing right that's the question that you really have to ask yourself and i think it's a proper question to ask now just from the lens that this season has a bit more stakes than you would think based off of 
what happened last year, but more importantly, the years remaining on Donovan's contract, at least until he signs. Once he signs, we're not worried about anything, but that's where the question will pop up now. But the bigger question to me that matters the most is the court, right? Why did the Cavs look the way they did versus the Knicks? In my mind, it's because of the rebounding. It's because of the lack of versatility from the bench. I agree. The bench was very ragged in that series. And they didn't have many looks to throw at guys. It was either, okay, we're going to throw in uh, Isaac. Okay, we're going to throw in Levert. And, you know, guys just weren't ready to, you know, step into those roles based on how the Knicks wanted to guard them. So that's a bigger thing for me. And I think continuity is a big part of it because, again, you're talking about a, a roster where their top three guys, sorry, top four guys, actually, only played together one season and guys were in and out sometimes during the season. You need to have a body of work behind you to win playoff games. Like that, that type of stuff matters. So doing that type of stuff at the highest level matters significantly. And I think on the Knicks side, I don't think enough Cavs fans, I'm, I'm one of them, have given them enough credit because for the Knicks. They had gotten destroyed by Atlanta two years before. Everyone was talking about Trey Young owns New York. So it never occurred to me, and I don't know how many people it did, that they get destroyed in the playoffs, and they don't make the playoffs, and they come back, and that's the result. You know, they're a five seed, battled hard. Josh Hart, that trade won them that series. The way he played, his energy, his effort, it was a fantastic rebounder in New Orleans and in Portland. I mean, on the Lakers, he was producing. So they had to make the trade they did, the Lakers, to get AD, and it got them their title, and they're still contenders now. You look at what they gave up, and people talk about Ingram and Lonzo. Josh Hart has been so good in his career. Huge. Value brings, and it's not always going to show up on the stat sheet. I think that adding him, and you have a point guard finally in Brunson, because the series before, it was D. Rose to the rescue, and he was not ready for that. They were still trying to figure out the starting lineup so he wouldn't, so he could still come off the bench. And I think they finally figured things out. And I, I'm look. I'm not gonna say I'm happy for them, as it stung watching the Cavs go down like that in their first real playoffs without the King since I was a very young kid. So we go back to the '97, '98 season, and it was what it was. Though that's why they made the moves they did. That's why we're here now. And you talk about that bench, and I do want to shout out Danny Green, at least. I had forgotten about him. Was hoping he could do a little more in the first round. Now he's back on the Sixers again. Just glad he's still in the league. People give him a bad rap sometimes, but he has been such a good 3 and D player. He's won titles for three organizations. His jersey probably won't get retired anywhere, good but he's such a great teammate, good locker room guy, and it's cool that he's going back to Philly, I think. with for Nick, And he played for Nick Nurse, so he knows exactly what he brings but closing up on last season they, they just they couldn't rebound couldn't stop Jalen and they could never get Darius and Donovan going in the same game and for all the rebounding he was doing Evan was inconsistent or in foul trouble Jared Allen wasn't ready for for Mitchell Robinson I don't think any of us were truly ready for Mitchell Robinson he was a beast in that series man he was incredible and old old Cleveland pal Isaiah Hardenstein wasn't as dominant, of course, but he also grabbed some major rebounds. The fact is, it wasn't just Mitch. Their two centers were interchangeable. They were playing like fives. It just seemed the Cavs were a little softer. But I think after that series, 
Evan understands that he needs to be more physical. I think Jared Allen has had a very nice career, understands that now he needs to be more physical. You have to change gears in the playoffs. And for Allen, who'd never made any deep runs in Brooklyn, for Mobley, who never played in a postseason, it was only his second campaign. I think they all learned. I think for Okoro, I think for Levert, similar to Allen, never went deep in the playoffs, never won much. All these guys, Garland, they all learned something. So they're going to come back with that knowledge. JB had only been in the playoffs once and it was the, or was the interim coach with the Rockets. And that was kind of a disaster because they were the eighth seed. He had taken over midseason. And Harden, I think they still had Dwight. There was a lot of dysfunction. Might, might have my seasons wrong. It might not have been Dwight. But long story short, they all got smarter gifted. And now that everyone has that year under their belt, Donovan's going to be ready. And they're all going to be ready to lock in and play some serious ball. I think that's the proper way to think of these things because coming in, I said, okay, this is Evan Mobley's first playoffs. Like, let's let's just pump the brakes. He, he needs time. But I think, again, as you stated, he has the talent to overcome this because it's just like the, uh, you know, his feel for being super physical against those types of bigs. He's put on mass this entire summer. So he's trying to address that area. But my thing is, I, I'm i curious about your thoughts on this, right? What do you think about some lineups where sometimes if the spacing becomes too untenable, playing Mobley more at the five to put more spacing around Garland and Mitchell? Is that a viable lineup for you or would you rather just go all big? I mean, they, they used that a lot last year. It was very matchup dependent. So what they usually do... Is at least when they had Kevin Love first part of the season, they have Allen and Mobley start together about six or seven minutes into the first quarter. One of them goes out, Kevin Love comes in at the other spot, and then three, uh, three or four minutes later they swap. Mobley usually starts the second quarter over Allen at the five, you know, depending on that. I'm more than okay with Evan Mobley at the five. I think you just have to make sure to mix things up. The biggest thing that's still hindering them, perhaps, is when one of them goes down, whether it, if it's Allen and you're starting Mobley at the five, the four position looks very different. You can either go small, like they tried in a preseason game with Struess at the four. You could bring in Dean Wade, who's a bigger body that's, I think, going to have a shot back. You know, Dean Wade. Uh, the real D Wade. They won their first four games he started amidst the year where they did not win much. So that's, that's and I, I have a Dean Wade card I ordered. Just the Dean Wade. Who goes on eBay and types in Dean Wade card? I did that a few <laughs> years. Um, but I, I think it can work. I think as long as he and Allen are healthy, they're going to be so dangerous. It won't matter who's at the five. If you're moving Niang up to the four, if you're going to try Dean Wade at the four, if you want to go really small, you could play Levert and Okoro at the wings. You could play Struess and Okoro at the wings. You could just put Max at the four for a short stretch, depending on the opponent. Against the Bucks and against Boston, especially now, you should be thankful to have two bigs like that. Because you got a Brooke Giannis, you got an Al Kristaps. So both of those pose serious, serious problems. I know we're not there yet. So I think play with your lineups and you hope that what we learned from last year, they can hang with the big dogs in the regular season. Don't discount anyone in the playoffs and just play the lineup that's working. Don't. You don't have to stick stick to it by the book. Don't be afraid to make changes. I think this year's roster allows the versatility that you're in a series, you're in a regular season game, and you need to spark. You got to make a change. 
and they could go 11 or 12 deep on any given night. Anyone that's active can truly come in, make an impact on winning at any moment, whether it's the beginning or the end. That's what I love about this offseason and what they've done. We're having more rotation discussions. I think it's going to be more consistent than it's been the last couple of years. And that's key for me because I feel like the Cavs already, even without these things last year, were just a machine in terms of chugging out wins. And I said this coming in, like, they never played together, right? And they were that good. So, like, adding in more vet guys who understand locker room dynamics, who have been in the playoffs, who understand what a winning environment feels like, mentally that does a lot of things for everyone who's playing basketball, sure, but also in terms of the fit. Having multiple guys who can come in and randomly hit four threes, five threes, or whatever, it bends the court significantly. Like, like now, if Donovan is in the PNR, he can trust that shooter to knock down shots from a deeper range consistently. And that just changes how much more deadly he can be going downhill in that two-man game. Also with the bigs, Mobley. I feel like his creation this year is going to take a step up as well because he showed signs last year, but I think him playing that way is going to be key because if he's able to have more reps in that, if he has the ball in his hands, you now have Donovan and Garland off the ball, which is going to help the spacing out more, obviously, because you have these two guys who can basically move around, cut, drive, or relocate all around the court for three maybe Jarrett sets off ball screens as well like there's there's some creativity offensively you can really get to if Mobley becomes more of a creator and he's too fast for the you know burly bigs but he's also going to be too big for like the power forward you know three four types right so he can play that versatile fit and if he's able to do that with his defense, again, one of the best help side rim protectors in the NBA last year was in the DPOY conversation for a reason. You're talking about a enhanced Cavs team from last year. Now, obviously, Donovan Mitchell is a special player. I feel like he underperformed severely to his standards last year. But before that and before his last playoffs in Utah, Donovan Mitchell has always been a playoff riser type of guy who gets up for big games i think for him personally especially knowing that you know his contract is coming up i think he's going to be very motivated to bounce back and be a much more productive performer in the regular season and also i hate to be the one that says it but people do realize right that playoffs are matchup dependent right a lot of your playoff success can be dictated off of who you play and how your team size wise or spacing wise matches up and that's why, to me, Zach, this is a big year for the Cavs because I think this year, after the Dame trade, after the Drew Holiday trade, the seeding is going to matter because that's going to determine what your roadmap to the finals is. And I think the Cavs are a team that can put themselves in a great position early so they don't have to burn out towards the end of the regular season. Well, hey, whoever gets the one seed this year, and I truly believe it's going to be at least a three-horse race between Cleveland, Milwaukee, and Boston, because you never know. It's very up and down. Yep. Whoever gets that one seed probably gets to avoid the other teams until the conference finals. Not looking ahead, Miami just won as an eight last year. They reminded us it was the first time in a while it's happened. Eight seeds can win, like Memphis, like Philly uh, before. 
it, it can happen. An eight seed can advance. Doesn't matter what your range. You just have to get in and win. Which is why you never stop grinding. But it's going to be really fun in the East. Curious to see if the Sixers can figure it out. A lot of people are down on them, myself included. Doc's gone. Harden wants out. A lot of drama. Depth is a little different than a season ago. They did add Ubre and Pat Bev. And for some reason, Mo Bamba. You know, they still have Paul Reed, let's remember. Miami coming off a trip to the finals. Uh, but they were an eight seed, so we're not going to give them a ton of regular season uh, cred yet. Brooklyn is one of the wild cards. Atlanta, who still has Trey. DeJounte, they traded John Collins finally. I think that opens up the floor even more. I'm not... It was a floor spacer, but a three-point percentage just kept going down, down, down in recent yeah, years. I think. on wide open threes, yeah. He's going to really help Utah regardless, and I cannot wait to see this version of the Jazz. That'll be for another day. But the Hawks are there. The Sixers and the Nets could kind of be sneaky teams. I think the Magic could be a sneaky team that could even potentially get to the top six now that continuing to improve the young core paolo's gonna only get better and he had an incredible rookie season and i'm not forgetting about the pacers or the raptors indiana who just added ob and bruce brown to a team that has tyrese halliburton who's already an all-star miles turner the best floor spacing five in the league in my opinion with how effective he's been and i'm probably missing guys on that maybe chris Dobbs even but he's one of them he shoots threes at such an effective clip miles turner you know, you got Neesmith, you got Benedict Mathurin, who scored 18 as a rookie. We can't discount them. And the Raptors, for all these fake rumors or whatever, they still have OG. They still have yep. Scotty. They still have ya they have a real center in Jakob Pertl. I know it's not amazing without Fred Van Vliet. They're going to be right there. Chicago, I don't know why they're getting clowned so much right now. They still got Damar and Zach. And two years ago, they were one of the best in the East for a while. They were number one before Lonzo went down, who I think will play after this season. The East is going to be really fun. I do think the top three will be Cleveland, Milwaukee, Boston in some kind of order. And if I'm missing other teams, please at me. Uh, oh, yeah, the Knicks. Duh. The Knicks just beat us in the first round and they added talent. East is going to be a dogfight, just as the West is this year. And maybe at the halfway point, Gifted will know more on who's real and who's not. So any of these teams I mentioned could be any of these top teams if they really get hot. Atlanta took two from Boston and could have taken a third if they closed out the others, right? The Knicks pushed the heat to the brink, really. It took six. It was a yep. hard-fought six. And that's with, I think, Randall and Brunson were both battling through injuries in that same series, and they still took two. Anything can happen in this league. In the East, I just still think those, the three I mentioned, are top three any of them could be knocked off and i would not be shocked to see indiana make a second round appearance i'm not i don't want to overhype bruce brown after what he just did or obi toppin who's never had a consistently big role but i'm just so excited and, and i think any of these teams could take down anybody it's going to be so fun when we get to the end of the season and we get to the halfway point we see who's real who's not in the conference i think this year basketball is going to be crazy like you said i mean we're talking about the East. The West in itself has like 11 playoff caliber teams and only eight can make it. A bunch of teams in the East got better. Like that Hawks team, Quinn Snyder now has a full offseason to get the offense around Trey Young and DeJounte completely organized, right? Cavs, I mean, you guys added spaces, but really your growth is going to be with the continuity and chemistry of your core players already. 
a lot of people don't know where the Sixers rank because we don't know what's going to happen with the James Harden stuff. But if he stays on paper, they're a dominant team and, and they have better coaching because I don't think Doc Rivers was ever that good of a coach for Philadelphia, uh-huh. right? Like, there's a bunch of X factors here. I want to ask you this. I have Cleveland penciled in as a third or fourth seed. I think that's where they're going to be. I think that everything that they've done in terms of how they play basketball, who they've signed, I think they're going to be in that range. My question to you is, if the Knicks... No. What's the best matchup for the Cavs to make the second round? That's my question for you. If you had to, like, choose a team here. There's no easy answer to that. Because you think about every team has their stars... Every team in the league has somebody they lean on that steps up when they need it throughout the course of a year. And the fact that you got in the playoffs means you had a system that worked, you had lineups that worked, you had everything perfectly run. Oh, all right. Um, so ideally, well, I my pyramid for the East before the Drew trade was Milwaukee 1, Cleveland 2, Boston 3. I think Milwaukee and Boston are interchangeable at one and two, depending on how things go and health-wise. Between as long as Kristaps plays 75 games, I think Boston could even sneak into number one. The new coach and Adrian Griffin might be a system change that could take a little bit of the season to get going. They'll be fine for the playoffs, but regular season, that puts the Cavs at three, which means they just missed the play-in team. They get a team that gets to skip the play-in and get the extra rest up with them. So I would say, out of all the teams, I would. I can't say Miami because I think, I think Bam would provide a lot of problems, and I think Miami with Jaquez and Jovic are gonna they're gonna work both of them into the lineup this year with Haywood Highsmith, Jamal Kane. They have all these new young guys and Orlando Robinson. Yeah, that's Miami and. And we're sleeping on Hero way too much. I know he's overhyping himself. Now with Jordan Poole also getting all this new attention in D.C. Miami, I think, would be... I would probably say in an ideal world, and maybe in Indiana, a... I don't want the Hawks. Just, they, they beat us in the play-in two years ago. They gave Boston problems. They were just in the conference finals two years ago. They took two games from the Bucks. When Giannis was actually playing, including game one. Yep. It's it Trey gets so so much disrespect. And I still think he's such an elite guard. I understand his defense isn't the best. Love the way he runs an offense, the way he rallies the troops, shooting ability. I don't the foul baiting is annoying, but he does it so well. I think he has the best floater in the league right now. DeJounte is proven as an all-star level player, all-NBA defender at his age 21 season before he got hurt. I guess I'd probably say Indiana or... I'd say Philly. I'd sound foolish because that, that puts a target on Cleveland and Embiid is probably going to wreck Allen and then it'll have to be Mobley. Uh, maybe not. Mobley held his own against Giannis the regular season. All right, let's 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 go with... Indiana or Miami? For out of everything, I just Indiana or Miami. Maybe Brooklyn. If Brooklyn sneaks into the six, I think they could beat any of those three teams. And if it ends up being the Knicks again, I'm game. It ain't going five. Let's just say that. I think for the Cavs, the ideal matchup here that you point to would probably be Indiana. I think how I view it, the Cavs have the size in the front court, and they have two dynamic guards that can exploit 
the perimeter defense for Indy. The only problem is, is Indy even going to be the sixth seed? I mean, it's so competitive. Yeah, right, right, right. They have a chance. I'm just trying to like figure out what it looks like because there's a realistic world where you're playing the Heat because you're the fourth seed and they're the fifth, or you're playing the Knicks because because they're the fourth seed. You know, you know, like it feels like your future is between one of these three teams. And I feel like in that type of playoff series, the spacing is going to be the biggest question. How does that hold up? How do you slide in the perfect guys in these slots here? How does Donovan Mitchell leverage his on-ball pressure in the playoffs? Because last year he didn't do it, but I feel like he was under a lot of pressure based on how he was being guarded. They showed him multiple bodies consistently, and they made Garland have to kind of eat off of him which made it harder, obviously, because the length and the size, I think, really bothered them in spots. But again, to me, that's why the X Factor has to be Mobley. If Mobley is playing at the level as another offensive outlet, it makes the floor of this Cavs team so much higher, man. So much higher. What he's capable of and what he's done are two very different things. He's already done a lot. I'd say just wait and watch next year. Evan Mobley is going to take a massive leap. Not guaranteeing an all-star spot, but he's going to be... They showed the NBA on TNT panelists who their all-star reserve votes are. I guarantee at least one or two of them will have him in there. That is how effective he's going to be this season, even as a third option to these guards. Because they're going to find him. He's going to be hungry. He was snubbed for the DPOI. Didn't put up the same offensive production in the playoffs. I I think he's due for a huge season that's usually where we see a couple years of a player where they're gonna go oftentimes if they're on their way to stardom we'll see it between years two and three hundred percent that that like three to five range is really where you get to see these players like truly become themselves all the way it takes time and like it's it's hard because we live in an ever-evolving nba where in one season KD, Harden, and Kyrie can just completely crumble, and it's just a whole new Nets team led by Mikael Bridges, right? Like, things like that can happen in literally one offseason, which is kind of why, like, patience is a must, right? Devin Booker had to lead many, like, terrible Suns rosters for years, and then in one offseason, they go from not making the playoffs to, like, the three seed. (laughs) Now they're the one seed. Now they have Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal, like, it takes time, but you need to learn how to regroup after losses and have continuity to have success. Denver spent multiple years with uh, basically Porter going down and Jamal going down, but they finally, you know, st- stood by it. They didn't fire their head coach. They didn't make excuses. They won the games they could, and they lost, and they regrouped, and they finally won this year. It just takes time. Yeah, I really enjoyed Denver's run this season. It was, it was fun because the bench was pretty thin. Jeff Green was a part of that. So some someone that played for the Cavs. Always love seeing someone that was once a Cav get out there and go get a ring. It was a fun year all around. It's only their second playoff run with Murray, Porter, and Jokic healthy. The first one led them to the conference finals in the Lakers. The second one led them to the conference finals in the Lakers. And this time, they got by. They had fans in the seats. I'm not dis regarding what the Lakers did 
that was a real title. Regard, don't care what other people say. You still, every team had the same circumstances and you came out as the winner in those circumstances. But Denver earned it. Jokic, unbelievable. I'm, I hope he still joined his horses. It looks like from the videos we've seen, he's still <laughs> racing them. He's still racing them. Think he was showing Jamal Murray in practice how many horses he has. Like dang. On the bench scouting horses. horses. Crazy. <laughs> And Aaron Gordon visiting him in Serbia this year was just tremendous content for the viewer for the viewers that saw that. Yeah, really cool. Absolutely, man. That was very fun. Just seeing a team that was just predicated on like team first, where like you have Jokic who's the best player saying, No, Jamal is the best player. And like they just rallied behind each other to win all the way through. Like, that's the type of basketball that I love to watch. Hopefully, my team with Chris Paul can like find a way to make things happen, but we're getting older. So, you know, it's questionable how good we're going to be this year for a whole lot of people. Obviously, Kuminga has to be the guy that takes this dramatic leap from the wing spot so we can have some more athleticism and rim pressure to get to the basket. It's just, man, this this season I'm so excited for for almost every franchise team. And it feels like the expectations on a lot of these teams this year will severely impact roster construction moving forward. Because obviously the new CBA that's in place. You have both LA teams aging where obviously the Clippers have contract extensions for Paul George and Kawhi. For you as a Cavs fan, you probably hope the Paul George stuff, you know, <laughs> I, I honestly I'm, I'm a big fan of what they're doing i still think a fully healthy clippers team could be top two in a playoff race and could still go to a finals Harden or not i think that the grizzlies when jaw comes back i think he's gonna finally get his his act together and i think with him and marcus smart it i'm very curious to see how it all lines up over there they had a really good off season I'm, and I think it's great that Dylan Brooks is gone. I think he was a not a great locker room guy. I think all the antics are going to disappear and they're going to focus. I think the Clippers are going to be really fun. I think the Pistons in the East, with Monty Williams coming in and Kate Cunningham coming back, and you bring in Oscar Thompson. They got some trade chips, like uh, like a Bojan that you can move if you don't want to get even more yep. solid pieces. They got four bigs. They're going to be competing, so I think it's going to be healthy competition between Wiseman, Bagley, Duran, and Stewart, who's already got his extension. I really like what they've done. Killian Hayes still hasn't really shown it, but I think he will. I think Jaden Ivey is a baller. I see Detroit in person last year. Love the direction they're taking. You got the Spurs with Wemby. You're playing oh my God. Jeremy. I mean, these highlights seem fake. <laughs> this is going to be incredible. And then he got Sohan at point guard with 6'9", power forward, trying to play the point guard. So I think they have the potential for this incredible thing because Devin Vassell is now the shortest starter on the Spurs with Keldon playing the three and Sohan at the one, Collins at the five, Wemby at the four. It's going to be such a unique lineup. You know, the Thunder getting Chet Holmgren now. They they Chet, brought in... Chet, uh, Giddy, yeah. And they got um, Micic, who he's been waiting in Europe for a long time. And he, along with the Kings, getting Vizinkov. They got JaVale McGee. They improved their bench. We're going through a couple more, and then I'll stop this madness. Dallas improved <laughs> their bench and their starters. They got Grant Williams. They brought back Seth Curry, who's now in his third tenure with the team, one of the best shooters in the league. Drafted Derek Lively. You know, you got, well, obviously Phoenix did what they did. 
Wizards might not win much, but with Kuzma and Poole, Koulibaly, Tyus Jones, I think they're going to be well run this season. And what else we got? We got the Hornets. I mean, I don't really know what to expect. Everyone keeps getting in trouble. Literally, everyone keeps getting in trouble. Everyone gets so confused when you get to the Charlotte Hornets, honestly. Yeah. And then the team, I think, truly could be the biggest NBA wild card this year would be the Jazz because Holland might be coming off the bench now. They brought in John Collins. They just they had two lottery picks. They got Taylor Hendricks and Keontae George, who could both fit in brilliantly. Extended Jordan Clarkson. Lowry was just an all-star. You got John Collins in the mix. Walker Kessler coming into year two. Already looks like a top 10 to 12 big man already with his ability to protect the rim. Some insane block numbers. Better than Rudy almost. Mark Eaton-esque some nights. Ability to rebound. You got Collins. I think Chris Dunn showed he can really work it on the floor. You have guys like Horton Tucker and Olenek who could be fringe elite role players or some nights disappear, but they're there so much going on for you and you got Obviously, will hardy as well who, who's a great coach understands how to maximize players perfectly yeah it's they're they're my team to watch i think they're gonna sneak in the top six i don't care i know the west is really loaded obviously the warriors got chris okay. paul duh. but jazz are gonna be top six this is a Cavs pod but because of all the Cavs jazz business over these last five years between corver back and forth the sexton deal the alec burks trade there have been so many moves. Harpering played for both. Boozer played for both. CJ Miles played for both. I can name you 50 players just like that. These teams love doing business and players love going from one to the other. Utah top six. That's my I want to say goal. shout out to Jazz Lee. We also had a conversation on the pod. I know Zach knows you as well. Big shout out to Jazz Lee. We'll be watching Richie Jazz Austin, basketball. Right? Mm -hmm. Richie, Richie's great. Yeah. Richie's great, man. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> Shout out to him. Yeah. Well, overall, that's been about an hour of us talking about Cavs basketball and recapping just how good the NBA season is going to be. So regardless, if you're a Cavs fan, Knicks fan, Warriors fan, WNBA fan, if you like basketball, tap into the NBA this season beyond just your team. Expand and watch some of these other teams because I'm telling you, a lot of these teams have things on the line this year. A lot of teams in the West especially our championship or bust. And we understand how player movement goes in the NBA, especially under a new CBA where a bunch of teams are gonna be making moves uh, both during the season, at the deadline, and even after to get under that tax. And once those severe restrictions kick in, there could be some severe player movement on the horizon. Landscapes could change significantly. If the hardest stuff doesn't work out and the Sixers aren't winning a bunch of games, does Joel B ask for a trade? Like, there's a lot of chips that can fall to the table this year. On top of just, if every team stays as is, can be very fun and very competitive. Me, personally, I would love to see Cavs-Hawks. I would love to see the Cavs-Hawks first round. That would be such a, a brilliant, uh -huh. like, back-and-forth battle. Trey Young backcourt. versus Garland. Yes, yes. That is literally battle of the backcourts. I, I would love to watch that, honestly. The only four teams I realized we never mentioned, Minnesota, they got Cat, Rudy. I love Minnesota, yeah. by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Minnesota's going to be a wild card, I think, this year. Portland, Scoot in the mix. You already got Sharp and Simons. They have a fantastic guard trio. And if it doesn't work, you could trade Jeremy Grant at any time and get some yep. good pieces. Grant could become available. The only other ones will be the Rockets. 
We'll see what happens. Van Vliet and Brooks got a lot of money, but they got Jabari Smith. They got Amin Thompson. They have a whole lot of intrigue. They also improved their bench with vets, too. Jeff Green, Jock Landale. And the last team who could change everything this season, if they're just healthy, which will they ever be, are the Pelicans, because Zion will start the season healthy again. Right, you will miss Trey Murphy, unfortunately, to begin the year, and and uh, I think Jose Alvarado went down. No, it was uh, Najee Marshall. They'll they'll come back, but they got their starting core yep. together. Herb Jones, C.J. McCollum, Ingram has already been an All Star. Right now, they still have Valanciunas. I know they wanted to trade him, but it's it's gonna be a heck of a season, man. I'm, obviously, the Cavs are my main focus, but. I think same for you as it is for me. We'll watch our teams whenever they're on, but watch any team, study all 30 teams, just keep up with every transaction from the league because you really have to know it all. And it's it, it becomes an obsession to, to see what's going oh, yeah. on, who's oh, yeah. there. And I, I check every box score every night. I don't miss any move in the off season. I'm never, I'm, only, I'm surprised maybe once or twice when these exhibit tens happens, like the preseason rosters. Regular season, I, man, I, I cannot Locked wait. Locked in. Yeah, well, hey, great pod with you, man. Great conversations. Guys, if you made this far, make sure to tap in to Zach with Across the Cavs. I'm going to have all of his links in the description and comment section below. Don't be a stranger. I will be talking a lot of basketball during the season as well, Zach. So, you know, I really want to show you some love because, again, random hit up with the season about to start let's go saturday and i really feel like this was a, a great clarity for me because i had a bunch of questions to ask you about the, the lineups and how about x y or z and when we finally you know as you said on wednesday we're gonna get a chance to see exactly how this Cavs roster looks with a new enhanced focus so if you guys made it this far make sure to tap into the episode five star on audio platforms and, and all that and the video version again is located on the youtube all is gifted hoop spotify youtube all of these things we got a lot more in-season content on the way i'm excited big shout out to zach we'll catch you guys for the next and hopefully like the last team because i've been trying to cover all 30 teams so like i'm in like this grind mode to like get all 30 done before the season starts that's going to be like my season previews for like all 13 which is crazy so i appreciate you contributing to that zach i gifted appreciate you man thanks for reaching out always happy to talk calves happy to, to plug anything you ever need a plug you need you need the extra i got you I'm, i know the same for you we'll make sure this blows up we'll get this retweeted posted shared everywhere we'll get this out and it's been fun man nba is back let's go man let's go finally <laughs> yes there. yes there, man. let's have that energy peace well appreciate you guys have a good one we'll catch you guys in the next upload again for the last time tap into across the calves peace out people